Kia ora. Okay, let's get this web conference underway. We'll start with a karakia. Unahia te pō te pō perimarama. Tomakia te ao, te ao whatitangata. Tātai ki ronga, tātai ki raro, tātai ahurau. Hami e, hui e, tai. Hoi ki Kia ora tātou, haere mai, and welcome to the Hokanui Restoration Online Field Trip. Ko Shelley Takuingawa, your Learns Kaiārahi on this journey. And talking to you from Otiputi, Dunedin, and we've got connections all over the motu this morning. We've got our experts, Ravi, Ricky and Molly, and Barry in the Learns office, administering this, this web conference. So we'll start with some introductions. Um, we'll start with Ravi this morning. Kia ora, Ravi. Morning, everyone. Hi, um, Ravi. I'm from uh, Crashish. I'm a GIS analyst, and um, I work at Toyota Tefenua Land Information New Zealand. Kia ora, thanks, Ravi. And Ricky. Atina koutou katoa, atina te mihi atu ki a koutou, ki akaroa me Longford kura. Nau mai haramai i te kaupapa i tēnei rā. Kia ora koutou, ko Ricky Parata toko ingoa. My name's Ricky Parata. I'm the environmental lead here at the Hokanoi Rūnanga. So some of you may have been here before, especially from Longford School. And I think I can see one of the Tawira or student right there who was with us the other day. Um, so good to see you all and I uh, hope to see you back here at the Rūnanga again. Kia ora, thanks Ricky. Molly. Uh, kia ora everyone, I'm Molly and I'm from Gore as well. And I'm an environmental assistant here at the Hokanui Rūnanga. Kia ora. And... Have we got someone from Longford Intermediate that wants to introduce your class and tell us a little bit about what you've been working on? Yes. Hey, we're Longford Intermediate. This is room seven and ten. And we've been, some of us went planting out at Brunanga couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So you'll see some of our faces on here and recognise them. And yeah, we're, yeah, we're going to be looking at the website and doing some stuff on it. Yeah, looking forward to it. Fantastic. And yeah, really nice to see you again and see some of those students that starred in our video. Hopefully you've had a chance to watch that. And seeing as we've only got one listening school, Dervishel primary school. Um, is there anyone there that wants to introduce your class and what you've been up to? Kia ora, Shelley. Kia ora. Kia ora. Right, who's going to come and tell Shelley and Longford and everyone else about what we're doing with our gardens? Come on, Lily. <laughs> I was away Monday and Tuesday, Shelley, so we're a little bit disorganised. I know I'm putting you on the spot because usually listening <laughs> schools just listen in, but hey. We do have a week uh, We do have a couple of projects, so Lily's come to tell us about them. So we're going to compete, we're competing in a garden competition to restore um, a place called the Hearts Beside Our Classroom and our school's garden. And... We're going to replant the hut and also fix the garden. 
Awesome. Kia ora. Thanks, Lily. Good to hear. It sounds like great mahi. Okay, so we'll get started with our questions from Longford Intermediate. And can we have question number one, please? I'll do the running person. Is here? There you go. Hi, I'm Michaela, and I was wondering in terms of the Hokanui seeds, what happens to the seeds after they are harvested and what plant seeds are collected? Thanks, Michaela. Oh, okay. We'll start with um, Molly because you helped us collect some seeds on the field trip. Yeah, sure did. So after we go out and collect the seeds from places like Dollamore Park or even Hamilton Park sometimes, we bring them back here, clean them all up and then weigh them and then send them off to Tatapuotane, the nursery down in Invercargill. That's where they'll get grow propagated, growing, and then eventually they'll end up getting planted somewhere else. Um, the plant seeds we've collected, they're all native, so anything from flax, to toy toy, kofi seeds, um, but mostly at the moment it's been most um, cabbage tree seeds and just anything that looks good in the garden or good for riparian planting. And you, when you say riparian, can you just describe what you mean by that, please? Um, planting along waterways, mostly on farms and things like that, that will help the water quality and yeah. Fantastic, thanks Molly. And Ravi, you've been working on a bit of technology to help with this process. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, um, so we built, uh, we developed these apps for the Hokanui Yuranga based on uh, the information that they provide us. So things like, you know, what are the species that they're targeting and um, information like what color does a seed look like or what color does a fruit look like and what's the ideal um, month they are gonna be targeting. So everything's gonna be built into the app. So when they look at the app, it's just gonna be a button, but all the data is gonna be um, pre-populated in the background. Awesome, some really clever technology to help with that mahi, all location-based and all saving pen and paper and, and um, hard ways to work like was used in the past. Excellent. Thanks, everyone. And question number two now, please. My name is Kesi, and I was wondering what is the role of the Hokanui Wadurunga? Kapoi. Hey, thanks, Kesi. That is such uh, an excellent question, and it's also such a big question. Um, so I'll try uh, to answer it the best I can and try not to bore you in the process. So the, the Hokanui Runanga is part of 18 Runanga um, uh, of Ngaitahu. So Ngaitahu is an iwi here in, in the South Island. And our takiwa or, or area that, that we are a part of or govern goes right from Rakiura all the way up to Marlborough, so a, a big part of the South Island. So um, compared to the North Island, where they have lots and lots of different iwi, uh, Te Waiponamu, or the South Island, uh, we just have one for that area. And uh, in the Marlborough region, they have uh, seven 
seven or nine, I think it is. So the Hokanui Runanga, um, we kind of we're kind of like a council, um, and we represent our, our members. So we have over fifteen thousand registered members. So that's more people than live in Gore, and they what our role is to make sure that our membership, our, our people, our whānau, our iwi and our hapu have a voice in, in our community and in our nation. So if, any, if, and if there are any ngaitahu uh, whānau in your classes, um, I'm sure there'll be some in Akaroa as well. Um, they usually affiliate uh, to a runanga um, and we have some uh, in Gore that affiliate to the Hokanoi runanga. So, so we do many, many things. We, uh, we look after people's health. Um, we look after the environment. We look after education. And uh, we, we look after all the needs of, of our people or our iwi. So here, me and Molly, we look after the environmental side of things for, for the Hokanoi Runanga and our people. So everything that we do, uh, out in the environment and looking after bird species and tree species and fish species, we do it on behalf of, of our iwi. So those people that, that uh, if they come back to Gore or they live in Gore, they know where to come to. And if they've got any concerns or issues or want to be involved, they usually come to our runanga um, and, and we help them out. So that's a main role that we do for, for Hokanui. Kia thanks Ray. and um, really great to be able to share some of the mahi that, that you guys have been doing in terms of restoration. And question number three now please. Uh, hello my name is Brody, and my questions are once the trees are planted how long does it take until they're fully grown and how often do you plant new trees? Okay, um, so depending on what type of tree you're planting will determine how long it'll take to grow. Smaller trees such as wax and stuff will take about five years maybe. Um, then shrubbier ones maybe a bit longer, but then the big trees such as remu and matai and things like that, they can take up to 40 years to be fully growing. So, yeah, it really depends on what you're planting there. How long do you plant new trees? How long do we plant new trees? So we've got a few different projects going on to plant new trees. So we we try to plant them as regularly as we can. Um, if we're putting out uh, exotic trees, say forest trees or, or willows, we um, we plant trees straight away after that. But we're not always successful. Some trees do die. Um, and if they do die, we, we try to replace them straight away. So we're, we're constantly planting trees, as, as Longford School know. Uh, they've been with us planting many, many trees over the years, and we really appreciate that help that, that Longford gives to us. So um, it's an ongoing co-popper, and we hope that you'll continue uh, to plant trees wherever you are and wherever you go. Yeah, and of course, um, part of planting is, is maintaining those plants, making sure that they're not overgrown by weeds. Um, and it was good to see that Longford students helped out with that weeding process. And Ravi, there's there's a weed app that Toitu Tafeno has developed that can help with that work as well. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, so we've also developed weed control apps. So other communities like uh, they, they've used it quite a lot in the Waimakariri on the Braided River. 
and also uh, Moraki have been using it. Um, so the way how it works is um, you can select the chemical um, that you are going to be using on a particular day uh, for treating these um, um, invasive species like you know gorse, bro broom, and all the other um, species. Um, and if you've targeted a single plant, um, if you've treated it, you can uh, just take a picture of it. Or if you've um, treated multiple plants, like you know a large area, like 100 or 250, uh, there's a button called multi and you click that, it just asks a question, hey, how many plants have you treated? So you can, it's, it's an open field, you click a number and then it gets saved. So in short, um, the location of the area gets saved and you know, Who's, who's treated it, um, what time it's been treated, the date, all the metadata gets captured in the, um, in the app. Fantastic, yeah, some really clever technology and I'm sure there's probably other technology that can be developed which helps with that, um, keeping track of number of trees planted and where they're planted, um, good mapping technology use there. And it might be something that you develop yourself. So if you're doing a bit of restoration work, you might create a bit of a story map uh, to share your mahi, um, to record your progress, or um, using location-based technology. Kia ora. Thanks, Ravi. Uh, now we're up to question number four, please. I'm Kaden, and I was wondering, do you know how much the population do you know how much the population of birds has grown since the restora restoration work has started and if any spe species have returned? Good question. Uh, great question. Really great question. So we're, we're, we're hoping to be better at recording um, our data uh, for, for the returning of the birds. Uh, but just visually, things that we can see, we are noticing more bird species um, even around the Runanga and even coming into Gore. So we're, we're hoping that that uh, is a response from the trapping that, that's being undertaken out on uh, Haumuri, which is Croydon Bush, um, and around Dollamore Park. So a local trapping, uh, tramping club does a lot of good trapping work out there. But there, there is a tool that, that we are starting to use and it's called the five minute bird counts. So uh, this is something that, that anyone can, can learn to do. And what that is, is you go into the bush and you sit quietly for five minutes. Uh, it might be hard for some of you, but uh, you really try to sit quietly and then you'd listen to as many bird species as you can within that five minutes. So it, it's, a, it's a good um, tool if, if you wanna get, get going in your classrooms. There's loads of great apps out there that have bird calls on them. So it could be something that, that anybody's interested in, uh, start listening to different types of birds. And then you can go into the bush or sit in your backyard um, and listen to what kind of bird species are all around you calling. And it, it's a really excellent tool to um, record the growth in bird species populations. So say if you go out today and do a bird five-minute bird count and you only hear two or three birds, but then you go and do it again every year, uh, you might sit, hear the increase of, of bird calls. So that, that's a good indication of 
of how you can determine if the, if the birds are coming back and if the, if the population's growing. So that's something that, that we're training our kaimahi here to do um, and to get some really good data in that area. Um, another, another real goal of ours, especially around uh, Dolomore Park, Haumuri, Croydon Bush, is to reintroduce uh, robins. So long ago, there used to be the South Island robin everywhere all around New Zealand, but because of predators, um, they're, they're only in certain areas. So there is a good population at Piano Flat at Waikaia. Um, the Longford students should know where that is. Um, and it's a good species to reintroduce once you get pest control numbers down. So that's going to be one of our goals for, for the Hokonui Hills to see the reintroduction, reintroduction of uh, the South Island robin. Just to quickly add there, guys. Um, so I've also been working on another project, the ABT Aspiring Biodiversity Trust. So they do similar bird monitoring stuff on a braided river. Um, it's, it's really cool because they collect the data and I'm not really sure if they use the app or if they use some other method, but um, we get sent lots of data on in Excel format. So we build cool dashboards where you can see the numbers associated to particular birds. It's, it's, it's very interesting to see all that data. So there's some really good work happening. Yeah, and what's really cool about getting all that data is that you can see where progress is being made and match up um, projects with long-term monitoring and, and seeing how they're going and getting a real feel for what's happening across a whole region rather than just in one little place. So really cool to know what's happening on a, a location basis. Okay, we're now up to question number five, please. Hi, I'm Cruz. What impact is being involved in this restoration project have on you? And how did you connect or reconnect in, with your heritage? Kia Cruz. I know this question was intended for Rani Era, who can't be with us this morning, but Ricky, do you have anything you want to share there on his behalf or your own behalf? This is a good one for Molly, actually, and, and I'll follow <laughs> on from her. <laughs> Yeah, so I've only just really reconnected with my heritage. I kind of grew up not really knowing much about my ancestors. So working on projects like this, especially helping the environment and growing trees and water quality and all of that stuff, I think I've got more of an appreciation for it because it's like trying to make it look like what my ancestors would have saw hundreds of years ago. So I think that's the kind of easy way to reconnect with them, trying to visualise that you're looking at the same thing. Yeah, yeah, and for me, um, very similar to, to Molly, um, the reconnection to our tipuna, uh, which is our, our, our Māori ancestors, um, and how they lived with the land and be part of the land, um, and the reconnection to our, our native bird species and our freshwater species has been, um, it's, it's forever going for, for me and it's always part of it. But, but also my, my Pākehā uh, ancestors as well, um, they, when they first came to New Zealand, the, there was a lot of bush and the healthy waterways and everything like that. So it's also um, my Pākehā side 
reconnection as well. So the, the, I think there's been a bit of disconnect um, throughout the years, and it's just a part of how uh, we connect as a country and how everyone reconnects um, to to what used to be and being getting out um, in, into the land, into the forests, and just being part of that whenua again, I think is awesome for, for everybody. Kia ora, yeah, and I couldn't agree more, being being connect, connected with your whenua, your land, exploring that land, give it, getting an appreciation for what um, it provides and therefore what we can provide back to it to make sure that it's around for generations to come. Awesome. So there's been a few links that Barry's been adding in the chat that are helpful, like that link to the, the bird count um, work that you can do, um, some of the aspiring biodiversity trust work that you can find out more about that Ravi was talking about. But we've got a few more minutes um, available and our experts here with us. So if you've got any extra questions, um, you can either unmute and ask those or type them in the chat window if you'd prefer. But yeah, fire away. I've got two and I've put one of them in there. Ready? Okay, to get us started. So we've got in Hokanui, after you've cleared pest plants and done restoration planting, how many years before that area looks after itself? For example, birds spreading seeds, um, will you always have to do pest plant and animal control? Thanks, Barry. That's a really great question, really in-depth too. Sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, we as soon as we start planting our, our natives, um, within the year, um, we, we're increasing biodiversity. Um, sometimes through birds, but also through bugs. So especially the plantings we do around our waterways, it brings in all the, the macroinvertebrates, which are all the bugs that come in and they feed on roots and, and leaves and fallen leaves and that kind of thing. And that's really important, especially in waterways, because then that becomes part of the food web. And that brings on all the other species. So all the birds come and feed on the bugs and some of the fish feed on the bugs. Um, and then that really promotes a, a healthy ecosystem. So we're, we're really supportive of, of that initial planting. And then after two, three years, you, see the, you get to see a, a bit more abundance of, of um, larger wildlife like bird species and whatnot. Um, pest control is always an issue, um, especially when we have young trees. Um, rabbits and hares love to nibble on the tops of newly planted trees, and so do deer and goats and pigs. So uh, we always need to try and protect those areas by either using plant guards or other forms of pest control, fencing, those kinds of things to really give the trees a, a good chance to, to grow. Um, and then as we kind of progress, um, the, the, the trees become healthier and bigger, and then they've got a real good chance to, to look after themselves. Thanks. You're muted, sir. <laughs> Thanks, Ricky. Um, and I think this question is for Ravi. Oh, Ravi, sorry. Yeah. Yes. So when you're developing apps such as those for Hokanui, do you start from scratch or do you adapt from apps that you've already made? 
Um, so luckily for quick capture apps, so apps such as seed collection, weed control, and also predator control. Now we have a pretty good um, understanding on what our partners are gonna be experiencing. So we just use, reuse and tweak the apps uh, from the ones that we've already made. So it's a lot more, a uh, lot less time consuming now. Whereas when you, we are using field maps, so the predator control app that you guys have seen. So that's, that one was made from scratch. So it took us a bit of time because uh, it's a new uh, piece of technology that we've started um, uh, developing. So it took us a bit of time um, to create it from scratch, but now we know um, the difficulties uh, and the pros and cons of using uh, field maps. So in future, it'll be instant. Maybe in a day we can uh, tweak things and make it customized and make it available. Kia thank you. And that's what's really cool about um, all the information that Toitu Tefenua holds, land information New Zealand. You can you can look online and you can access their, their data and use the maps and that location-based information and create something for yourself. So that's pretty cool that that data is, is public, freely available. So you can check that out. There's links on the LEARNS website about that as well. So do we have any questions from either our listening school or Longford? Hello, Shelley. It's Braden here from Devotional. Kia ora. Kia ora. Uh, we've just got a couple of questions. Um, I'm going to oh. ask Lily to come up, but um, thank you to Longford and all the experts as well, if we don't get a chance to say that before we, we go. But Lily's going to ask a question here. Fantastic. Thank you. The huts were used as a play area. So what plant should we plant in the huts and which plant should we avoid? Ah, that's a really good question. Thanks, Lily. Any ideas, Ricky or Molly? Which plants are specific for what areas and which plants aren't? Okay, so if your area is like a wetland, you'll want to plant plants like carrots or tussocks or... Um, even cabbage trees a bit further back, flax and things like that. Um, if it's a dry area that you want to be kind of forested, you'll want to plant things like minging mingi or caprosma, um, broadleaf, fuchsia, and other plants such as that. Yeah, it's real important that you pick the right tree to go into the right place. Because um, sometimes um, some trees don't like growing in, in wet areas and some trees don't like growing in dry areas. So it's real important that, that, we do it, that you do a bit of homework before you go out planting and you pick the right trees to go in the right spots. And the, the app that Ravi, Ravi has helped us develop um, helps us do that. So it helps us eco-source seed. So what eco-sourcing seed is, is that making sure that where we pick the seed uh, and grow the tree goes back into that same place. Um, that, that way we know that that tree is going to have a really good chance of survival uh, for growing in that area. So in Devotional, they're near the sea, so, but they're in a harbour, so they might not suffer from saltwater spray because some shiny-leaved trees are really resistant to saltwater, but it might not be an issue there. 
Yeah, and if you don't know much about the native plants from your area, you can do a bit of exploring. Um, you can take photos of plants that you see. And if you don't know what they are, you can add them to iNaturalist and that will um, be shared with a whole community of people and people will identify the plant for you. You can also talk to your, your council or department of conservation to find out more about natives in your area. Um, and then see if you can find some seeds of those in your local area, see some plants, find out when they seed, collect some seeds, and you can find out more about that by watching the video that we did with Molly on the field trip. Very good question though, thank you. And I hear you had another question for us as well. Oh, kia ora, Shelley. If we've got time for one more. Uh, Absolutely. What we, uh, as I said before, we, we're doing things a bit um, back the front because we're going to now go and discover more and do the um, do the do the uh, field trip. But Charlie had a question just about what the whole thing was sort of about, which we will find out, but he wanted to ask it anyway. Charlie. Yep, no worries. What were, what were some of the problems what were some of the problems that made you start the project in the first place? That's a good question. Thank you. Yeah, great question. So a, a lot of the issues were around um, there, there wasn't enough habitat uh, for a lot of our birds and bugs and, and native animals. So um, a, a big push from what we do is to create that habitat and and a lot of them live in, in our ngahiri, in our forests. So um, we, that, that's a big push of why we do plant our, our streams out and, and our unplanted areas. And, and another one is around um, protecting our waterways. So the riparian strips that Molly talked about before along, along waterways and rivers is a really important habitat uh, for, for our um, taonga species. Um, especially the ones that live in the water. So planting trees provides shade and creates habitat in their root systems and, and things like that. So we're really trying to uh, make a home for, for our native species and, and to also um, help us as humans because we all love trees and we all love to be outside and it's really good for our, our well-being to be um, around trees in the forest. Kia ora, absolutely. Well, thank you very much to our experts today, Ricky, Molly and Ravi. Been really interesting hearing all your great answers. And thank you so much to Longford Intermediate for your great questions and great to have Devishel, uh Primary School listening in as well and having some questions for us. So thanks very much and keep up the great mahi. Kia ora. Thank so, you very much. Thank you. See you guys. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, and we'll all say goodbye. Ka kite. Namahinui, and that brings our Learns web conference to an end. Kia ora koutou. Great job, people. Have a wonderful day.